I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Kim Grenolds of dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. I am... In the press box, up I think it's the visiting coach's room, and uh, high above the field and looking down on the field in Tucson, Arizona, I see about 50 tents out there, lots of sleeping bags, and it looks like maybe it's a campout night for kids down there. I see some kids in the background doing gymnastics, but uh, kind of an interesting scene. There's a soccer ball. <laughs> interesting scene down on the field post game where Washington defeated Arizona 51-27 in front of an announced crowd of 47,033. Game time start was 8.05. Time on the game, three minutes, 22 seconds. Temperature 77 degrees at kickoff. Real mild night here in the desert. Um, it was just as perfect weather as you could ask for. It's chilling down a little bit, but you couldn't ask for better weather. And Chris Washington, after a slow start in the first half, really came back in the second uh, they did, Kim. Uh, one thing I will add is that uh, the game didn't last three minutes and twenty-two seconds. It was uh, three, three hours, hours and, 22. and twenty-two minutes. So, just in, just in case it? people weren't thinking they were in a time warp or something, but yeah, uh, I just uh, I was I was, you know, it was seventeen thirteen and half, and um, you know there was a lot of people jumping ship on the message boards, and uh, you know for all for all the things that were went wrong in terms of Washington not you know, getting touchdowns in the red zone and, and not taking advantage of turnovers and things like that. They were clearly still in the game and things had been going their way. It was just a matter of a couple things to fall. And the fact is they just didn't start out as nearly as aggressive as they should have. And then when they did in the second half, you know, they immediately went up to, to Puka Nakua and he comes down with a pass and off they go. And of course, now everybody, you know, the, 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 the only storyline that's going to matter for this next week besides Oregon is why wasn't Puka Nakua playing? Every, everybody's going to be asking that question. So I guarantee you Chris yeah. Peterson's going to get absolutely sick and tired of the, of the questions about that. But they have to be asked because yep. he showed up and, and he made big plays. Scott, what I noticed in the first half, two things that it took a little bit of an adjustment to get used to. Uh, first of all, Jackson Kirkland went down real early in the game, and Henry Bainavalu, um was inserted into the game as his replacement. He had a couple penalties. I think it took a little bit of time for them adjust, um, to adjust for that. And then in addition, Nick Harris is out, so they're losing, missing two offensive linemen. Uh, and I think that took a little bit of an adjustment, especially into the second half. And then also some of the red zone stuff were, or even outside the red zone on third and short, where we would typically see Richard Newton go in and run the uh, Wildcat. They didn't do the Wildcat. They didn't have the Wildcat in there at all today. So it was like that was taken out of the offense and you got two new offensive linemen in there. But in the second half, they seemed to make the adjustment and uh, get everything back in tune. 
Yeah, well, it was like Chris said, that that, that first throw from Eason to Pukunakua really seemed to wake up everybody and, and get everybody fired up, and Washington never really looked back after that. And, you know, I I keep I kept trying to explain it to people, but when you lose your starting center and your starting guard, both of whom were playing really, really well and um, had played really well this season – when you lose those guys, that's going to make a lot of difference up front. It's going to be a lot harder to communicate. And, and when you don't have guys, you know, that have, have played together and gotten all these reps together on a regular basis, you're going to have some mistakes. And that's what we saw. There were a couple jailbreak pass rushes on, on Jacob Eason, and, and he didn't handle it well. And uh, then in the second level, second uh, half, it sure seemed like they they shored some things up. They made some adjustments. They they decided to really hand the ball off and and let Sean McGrew do his thing. I was really impressed with the way Sean McGrew ran the ball. Sure, Savon Ahmed had three touchdowns and he had 95 yards, but a lot of those came uh, toward the end of the toward the end of the game. Um, but Sean McGrew was running hard all night, and I thought the running game was really what fed into the passing game. Well, Sean McGrew was running hard. Savon Ahmed, and you know we've said this before, we love Savon, but I mean he's not a hard runner between the tackles. And Sean McGrew, the smaller of the two, really gave him the physicality they need. They needed up front, and um, as much as I thought that Sean McGrew had a good game, I'll tell you what. Trey Adams, he's just throwing people around like ragdolls, getting in their heads. I think he caused a couple personal foul penalties on Arizona from getting in their head and laughing at him. There was a touchdown in the first half. I can't remember which one it was where he was kind of taunting the crowd. I really enjoyed watching um, Trey Adams tonight. He was just having fun. Yeah, well, it's a lot of fun when you win. It's a lot of fun when you win. Yeah, um, I think, think, you know, to me, the story of the game isn't so much Puka Nakua – I think the story of the game was the way they were able to really contain Khalil Tate. Um, the Arizona broadcast team mentioned that he was really going out of his way to avoid contact. And how many balls did he throw away? And when was the last time we saw a pass rush like that from Washington, Chris? Well, it feels like it's been a while, but I don't think it's been all that long. I think that just the Stanford game really – you know, probably highlighted some things and, and made it look a lot worse than it probably was. But I would say in terms of Khalil Tate, the first thing that I started to see in terms of the pattern emerging with him kind of rolling out to his right and kind of getting happy feet in the pocket and getting scrambling and going out to his right and then throwing it away, felt like Keith Price all over again. You know, Keith Price had some of those situations where he would really get out of the pocket quickly and then as soon as he was on the run... You could almost you could almost clock it with an egg timer. How many times he would throw the ball away? So, yeah, it it just was eerily reminiscent of some of the Keith Price games that I remember covering, and um, was a little surprised. Yeah, he Khalil Tate. There were certainly some times where he got either banged up a little bit, came up a little gimpy. Clearly, was not a hundred percent at all. I was wondering if they were going to go to their backup uh, Grant Ganell. If I thought they were going to maybe go a little earlier than they did just because, you know, I, I I don't know if they were risking it with Tate, but he just never looked comfortable from the very beginning to me. The big stat of the night, I, you take a look at Khalil Tate, six carries, minus 28 yards. And that's including some running yards because he had 48 yards of loss, 
48 yards tackle for loss and sacks, but uh, six for minus 28. And if I would have told you before the game started that that was going to be a stat, what would you say, Chris? Win? Yeah, exactly. I, You know, but Washington with four sacks, nine tackles for loss. You know, it, it was weird because I thought that, you know, Chris Peterson going for it early on offense was, was him kind of being defiant and going, you know what, We're, we've got to – We've got to show Arizona right from the jump that we need to be physical and we need to be aggressive and we're going to go for these things because we're going to try to impose our will offensively against you and it clearly didn't work to start out. But I thought the same was true on defense and I thought Jimmy Lake was mixing up his pressures and really kind of confused Khalil Tate a little bit. But more than anything, even when they were just rushing three or four guys, they were getting home a little bit. I mean, I remember that first sack with uh, with Joe Tryon and Ryan Bowman where you know, one of the guys came in, and then the and then Tate just basically kind of spun right into Tryon. I mean, he didn't even really have to do much. They had a couple of of sacks like that where it was almost kind of a meeting in the backfield. And yeah, so, Ryan um, Bowman had one too where he spun right into him. Exactly. So, you know, I think that just the pressure in general seemed to be a lot better, but they were getting pressure from all areas of of the line, both inside and outside, and I think that was confusing Tate too. I think Jason Shear nailed it when I talked to him the other day. He said they're pretty good on the run blocking, but, boy, their pass blocking is terrible. And I thought they did a pretty decent job of running the ball at times, and I was impressed again, as I always have been, with J.J. Taylor. With J.J. Taylor, 18 carries for 89 yards. And just a little note post-game, I was asking Miles Bryant, you know, what's the difference? But, you know, when you take a look at J.J. Taylor and Sean McGrew, they came out the same year. Uh, of high school they were both recruited Washington recruited J.J. Taylor they're about the same size they're both real small guys and when I was asking um, uh, Miles Bryant you know what's the difference between tackling J.J. Taylor and Sean McGrew Sean's ears poked up and he came over right away it was Miles got a big smile and was giving him some props but J.J. Taylor had a hell of a game too today not only just running the ball but out of the backfield he was uh, he was really good too yeah, he was. I I was surprised they didn't run him more. And that that Tilford guy also was was just real tough for Washington as well. They, they he had that one touchdown at at you know toward the end of the game where Washington just looked disinterested in in lowering his shoulder and he made him pay for it. And Asa Turner definitely learned a lesson. Welcome to welcome to Pac-12 football, rookie. You know, I mean, you gotta you gotta you can't just shoulder guys down in in the in this league even even with the Pac-12 being you know down. It's still got a lot of really good players in it. So um, I was I was a little surprised. You know, you you talk about um, the key stat, you know, holding Tate to to the, the that minus yardage on on the rushing. I thought it was uh, for getting four turnovers and getting twenty points off of those turnovers. Now they probably should have had more, but they got twenty turnovers. Pretty impressive. Scott, what did you? It might take another you know review of the film, but uh, did you notice anything with Mateo Mele and Henry Bainavala? Well, I thought uh, Melee's snaps were all perfect. Uh, I, I didn't notice any that were bad. I mean, there might have been one or two that were off a little bit, but I didn't notice anything that was egregious. I did notice that there were a couple a couple times where they tried to run it right up the middle and just got completely stuffed. And part of that was because they were outmanned up front. They Arizona had a, had a uh, loaded box, and Washington didn't account for it. Uh, but there were other times where guys got – and it was just missed blocks by the interior guys, whether that was Wattenberg 
whether it was uh, Melee or Bainabalu. So um, be real, real interested to see what happens with Nick Harris. I'm hearing that he's probably going to be okay for the Oregon game next week. But what's going on with Jackson Kirkland? I don't think any of us know at this point. Well, from what I understand, was um, he went out it was early in the first quarter, and he went into the injury tent, and he came back out with a knee brace on, and he didn't return to the game. He just stood on the sidelines. He had his helmet on. He had a knee brace on. He looked like he was ready to go, but um, you know, I don't know if it was precautionary or what, but um, it didn't look like anything severe. So, you know, taking a look at it, you know, I saw him running at back out at halftime. I mean, nothing out of the ordinary. So, um, from what I saw, I'd be a little bit surprised if he didn't come back. He looked fine. So I was going to say, typically, um, if it was an injury, they would take their hel- take their helmet away from him. Like you just you can't play. So yeah, if he yeah, had his no. helmet with him, that that tells me that he was available. Yeah, one more injury and a, a referee got annihilated. I mean, just blown up, and then another uh, one of the officials uh, almost got annihilated, and he kind of had to do a barrel roll on a on a on a slant into the end zone. I don't know if he impacted the throw to Aaron Fuller or not, but. Boy, that official got knocked out, and according to one of the other officials, they took him in for the um, uh, concussion protocol. Kim, he, you got, didn't, he got hurt yeah, pretty good. Yeah, his his head bounced off the turf pretty good, so um, I think that was the right call. Yeah, you know, down here, the, the scoreboard's weird. It's just they hardly showed any replays at all just here and there, but uh, they got a really a couple of nice uh, scoreboards and replay screens that they don't really use very much, but, um, you know, just – the Puka Nakua, a lot of people are going to be talking about that in the first pass he gets thrown, he drops. So uh, that was uh, kind of kind of different. What do you think on that, Scott? Uh, I I thought you know I when when he dropped that first pass, I'm like, oh lord, here we go. This is just going to be horrible. But then you know he comes back, and I I Chris, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought it was basically the same route, and he caught it the next time. It was basically yeah. Route. You're talking yeah. about the one at the very end of the first half. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, yeah. Pretty much. It was like kind of a square in or yep. something like yep. that, like a, a dig or route. something like that. Yep. Yeah. But it, you know, it's just one of those things where, um, you know, that first pass. Yeah, he should have caught it, but it was it was it a perfect pass? Was it right on the money and all that? Yeah. You know, Eason made it a little tougher for him, but you kind of expect a guy that that that's that good to probably make a catch like that, but. Boy, I'm telling you, you know, Chris Peterson talked about it all week leading into this game. They just needed to have some guys step up and make some plays and come out and, and be playmakers. And, you know, he's the first one in line That's when you look did, at him. Yeah. I mean, he averaged yeah. 32 yards a catch. Um, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Oh, yeah, it does. Jordan Chen. Yeah, that was I, your favorite receiver, Kim. And, uh, I mean, that was a big catch and a key catch for Washington. Yeah, that was. Beautiful throw by Jacob Eason, probably the best throw of the night. And, uh, yeah, 39-yard pass to Jordan Chin. I had to look twice to see who it was. So Yeah, I was listening to the, the Husky Honks afterwards, and, and Hugh Millen was talking about that play and how he really had to give credit to Bush Hanman because the scheme of it was apparently they were running. I'd have to go back and look, but I'm going to – take Hugh's word for it, they were running 22 personnel, which is two tight ends, two running backs. And uh, so basically they were, you know, they were trying to influence it in such a way that, you know, they, you know, Arizona wasn't necessarily going to be looking for that, or there was only going to be one safety uh, up there because, you know, they, they were going to try to bring people down into the box. And so it really allowed uh, chin to try to get open against one guy. And, 
So they, you know, he was talking about how the the play selection and the call and the scheme and everything seemed to kind of work hand in hand. And for those who wonder where Jordan Chin has been, I mean, he's been one of those guys. He's just so slight. He's never put on any weight since he's been here. And he's if he's not the fastest guy on the team, he's one of the top three fastest guys on the team. But at his size, he's not going to last. If you start throwing it to that guy and he starts getting hit, he's just not going to last. And he's had his fair share of injury problems, too. I think he was listed at 174 when he came into the University of Washington. I think he's listed at less than that right now. So, you know, happy for Jordan Chin. He's a guy that I'm sure is probably going to move on after this year. But, uh, you know, it's nice for him to get in and get a catch and, you know, from a guy like Jacob Eason. It was a beautiful throw again. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Defensively, um, what were they doing, Scott, to get to Khalil Tate? I mean, he seemed to be under siege the whole night. Yeah, I agree from basically from the opening snap. You know, it it looked like that uh, Joe Tryon and Ryan Bowman were both just told, we want you to get upfield and get after him. And one of the one of the things, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, and Kim, from your vantage point, you probably won't be able to do it because of where you were, but it seemed like Tate was dropping right into, like Washington had it set up perfectly. Their target point for where they wanted to end up was exactly where he was dropping to. Is that something that you saw, Chris? You'd have to kind of explain that again to well, me a little bit. So if you're if you're doing a okay, so he's taking the the <coughs> shotgun snap, and what is that? What is that about? What about three or four yards back? It depends on if he's pistol or full shotgun, yeah, but whatever yeah, any, anywhere from four to six, seven yards. Depending. And then he's taking a few steps back, uh, in in you know in his normal drop, right? And it seemed like where Tryon and Bowman were trying to get to, where they were aiming for in their pass rush, okay. was exactly where he was, go- where he ended up all the time. So you're saying and it's maybe- like a perfect triangle. Yeah, well, I I was thinking that it was more like maybe Washington said, "Hey, Khalil Tate, this is his tendency. He he drops into this area every time, and this is where you need to aim for." And, and again, we talked. Uh, Jason Shear said that Khalil Tate just goes to his right. He's always like Isaiah Thomas always goes to his left. Khalil Tate always goes to the right. Yeah, and when he did go to his left, that was when he <laughs> tried to throw it with his left hand, and it went backwards. And Wellington got it. So yeah, one one of the things I was going to add too, uh, Kim mentioned J- uh, uh, Jason Cheer, the the publisher for um, uh, Wildcat Authority, the, the Arizona publisher. He spoke with Kevin Sumlin after the game, and and the head coach of Arizona, and, and someone told him that Washington had thrown some safety blitzes and some looks like that in terms of pressures that they hadn't shown all year long. So it was clear that that. Lake had some things up his sleeve that he wanted to use maybe specific. Could it maybe have been specifically for Tate or this type of scheme? I don't know, but it certainly sounds like they broke some tendencies and did some things that they hadn't shown uh, and put on tape yet. And Chris, 
um, Arizona's been known with Khalil Tate and uh, J.J. Taylor. They're a big screen team. The screens just didn't work at all today. I mean, they just seem like to sniff every one of those out. Did they have any decent gains running the screen pass today? They had a couple decent gains, but to be honest, it seemed to me like down and distance was kind of against them in the screen game. Whenever they tried to run this, the screens, it looked, it felt like it was second and third and very long. You know, like guys that, you know, they were trying to throw some screens to maybe just take the pressure off, as opposed to trying to catch Washington off guard. At least that was my impression. And Scott, no Cam Williams today. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't notice. I know he probably played on the uh, special teams, but I never saw him in there in the in the regular rotation. I'm, I could have missed it, but I never saw him in the regular rotation. And maybe it it was just a time. He's not in a doghouse or anything. Maybe they just said, "Hey, you've got six games under your belt. You're making some mistakes. Why don't we have you sit back, take a look, watch how things go, and see what we can do." about getting you back on working you back into the starting rotation because I'll tell you what Asen Turner looked like a natural back there he he absolutely looked like a natural coming up to support the run he was real physical except for the when Tilford ran right through his shoulder attempt shoulder tackle attempt but other than that you know I thought Asen Turner played a hell of a game and and you know regardless of who starts between those two guys I think you're going to see both of them get a lot of reps and he was talking smack at the end of the game, too. Yeah, well, it, that is what it is. <laughs> well, that's a sign of feeling a little bit more comfortable with what you're doing when you can resort yep. to that a little bit. But another, you know, one of the uh, key plays of the game, which um, could have set the tone for Washington to go out to a big lean, but it didn't, was uh, Levi Owen-Wuzrike uh, got through on a block punt and looked like he almost got a second one, too. No, well, it wasn't him that almost got the second one. It was Kamari Pleasant. And yeah. I'm sure Chris uh, saw it on the replay like I did. How did he miss that? Well, I mean, if you, you – know, I don't know how much you guys watch the special teams drills in spring and fall camp. Yeah. I know sometimes it's easy to gloss over them or fall asleep. But, I mean, they use soccer balls. And they're, and they're just literally trying to take it right off their hands. I mean, you're, you're taught basically to take the ball almost literally right off the foot if you can. And I thought, I swear to God, I thought Pleasant had literally taken it right off his foot. Until, I did too. Until, until I realized later, it was like, wait a second, how did that ball get underneath? I mean, <laughs> it, it really was a, it was a neat trick. I don't know how he did it. But, I mean, no. Pleasant, Pleasant looked like he had, had timed that thing perfectly. No, I mean, when was the last time? I'm trying to remember the last time Washington had a black, uh, block punt. I think it was Levi Anzarike 2017 at Colorado, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Yep, you're right. Yeah, but you know, big, uh, big play for the special teams, and just there was such a difference in the first half and the second half. And when you take a look at what was really going on in the second half, about midway through the third quarter, you could kind of sense that Washington's offensive line was really starting to take charge of the game, and Arizona's defense was really starting to wear down. Yeah, I think I think I I noticed that quite a bit, and it looked like with the way Sean McGrew was running the ball, uh, really getting physical, and the way he was finishing runs, and Savon Ahmed, you know, he, God bless him, he he is it he turns his back when he's going to have uh, contact at the line of scrimmage, and it's just I I don't know what that 
what that means or if that can be fixed. But man, that is not a key for success right there. So, um, but yeah, I, I thought the offensive line really, really got after it in the second half. And I think like you, you know, we've kind of mentioned that they were having fun because Trey Adams was, was pushing guys around doing things. Um, I saw uh, Jared Hilbers kind of have a block on a guy late and late as well. So it looks like they were getting after some guys up front. Is it fair? By the way, is it fair to call Trey Adams a a, a flopper now? Oh yeah, he was yeah. laughing. He yeah, was laughing. Against, yeah, but that, did, but Kim, Kim back. Come on, you were down there. He flopped, right? No, I, mean, I think Trey was uh, pushed. <laughs> it was a complete okay. So flop. you're saying he's pushed, and then you're laughing hysterically. Okay, he flopped. I'm is laughing, what you're saying? I'm laughing just like Trey did. I'm okay. selling it like Trey. Okay, I like Trey. Okay. <laughs> You flopped. You flopped on yeah, that just, one. Yeah, just a uh, quick look down the stat sheet. Some things to jump out. Net rod, net yards rushing. Washington with two hundred seven net yards. Arizona with one fifty one net yards passing. Washington with two forty three. Arizona with two oh nine total yards offense. Washington four fifty. Arizona three sixty. And a lot of that came just um, in garbage time, especially in the second half. Uh, offensive plays, Washington had seven. Excuse me, Washington had 67 plays, Arizona 72. I think the, B, the big key statistics, uh, Washington recovered three Arizona fumbles and they had an interception, so the four turnovers uh, was a big deal. Taking a look at time of possession, um, overall it was 34 24, 34 uh, 30, 26 for uh, Washington over Arizona, but in the second half, when you take a look at the third quarter, Washington had it nine minutes and 16 seconds, Arizona only 554. And in the fourth quarter, Washington with 1039, Arizona with 421. So in the second half, um, Washington just dominated, just dominated the time of possession. And that makes a big deal. Uh, individual statistics, Sean McGrew, 13 carries for net 106. Savon Ahmed, 23 carries for a net of 96. Jacob Eason, ho-hum game, 15 of 22 for 243, two touchdowns. He was only sacked once. Aaron Fuller with four catches for 60. Puka Nakua, three for 97. Hunter Bryant, uh, three for 45. Jordan Chin with his first catch of the season for 39 yards. Uh, J.J. Taylor, nice game, 18 carries for 89 yards. Khalil Tate, eight carries, negative 26, which is a big statistic, and Scott, who do you think led the team in tackles? Well, I know it's so, so that really isn't fair. Who do you think led the team in tackles, Chris? Uh, I know, so it's not really fair. <laughs> who was a guy it, that Chris? a guy that we who was it, Chris? It was Ariel Nada. It was Ariel Nada with eight, and uh, Brandon Wellington with five, Miles Bryant with five. But the big statistic again, another big statistic: nine tackles for loss, just to keep the game. Kim, I would I would think to me the the obviously the turnovers were the key to the game. I think in terms of Washington just being able to keep Arizona at bay and 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 kind of start off on the right foot, even though they didn't maximize uh, those situations to get twenty points off of three turnovers is still pretty good. Um, I would say also or four turnovers, I suppose it was, but I would say to be honest with you, we, what we were talking about pregame, one of the keys was if. To, to, to be able to handle a guy like Khalil Tate, what's the easiest thing you can do? Keep him on the sidelines. So when Washington is on the field, basically 34, 35, 36 minutes, whatever it was, that is keeping Khalil Tate off the field. And I think that was a huge 
thing. They didn't necessarily roll up a ton of yards, but they but they kept possession. They moved the chains a little bit. Yeah, they were still what three of thirteen from th- on third down, which is brutal, but it didn't kill them today. And uh, they had a couple fourth downs they were able to convert, and they had a couple the couple of the key third downs that they were able to convert were on scoring drives. So that was really important too. But I think overall the time of possession was it was a critical factor. Not as big as the turnovers, but still critical. Yeah, um, it's going to be a long night. Um, I've got a two-hour drive back to Tucson and a 6 a.m. flight on Alaska Airlines, so it's going to be kind of a long night for me. But, Scott Eklund, final thoughts? Final thoughts, I think, uh, realistically, I, I just think this was a confidence builder for Washington. I, I think this team was offensively very unconfident of what was going on. They they really lacked any sort of confidence, and I think that coming out that first drive of the second half really instilled the confidence in them that they could get this thing done, and they just took it from there. And you got to hope that this carries on to the Oregon game this coming weekend for the rest of the season because Washington still has a chance to win the Pac-12 North. It's a it's a long shot, but they've got a shot. But they got to win out, and if they can do that, then anything can happen. But um, you know, I like seeing a bounce back from Washington, and, and they finally got off the schneid. Final thoughts, Chris Fetters? Yeah, I thought it was a good bounce back win, as Scott said. I definitely feel like this is more indicative of what Washington's capable of playing like as opposed to against Stanford. I, I think you really can just kind of completely erase that one from the books now in terms of trying to find patterns or trying to find things that you can glom onto to figure out, okay, what went right, what went wrong. Um, you know, clearly getting the turnovers is key. They always have to do that. They have to stay aggressive that way. And then I think offensively, hopefully they've learned some things in terms of, you know, getting some guys involved that are make that, that can make plays. And I I talked about it at the very beginning of this, Kim, everyone is going to be talking about why Puka Nakua wasn't playing a lot until now. And I think he was playing a bunch. He just didn't get targeted. But when he did get targeted today, he took advantage of his opportunities. And that's the key. That's what playmakers do. When they get an opportunity to make a play, they make a play. And that's something that Washington sorely needs in the receiver department. And long may it continue. Driving into Tucson tonight, the sun was going down. I saw the moon coming over, and there was a full moon tonight. I'm going, oh, man, Pac-10, Pac-12 after dark full moon and we all know funny things happen down here in the desert so i was just kind of and then i looked at elise woodward and said something she got mad at me i we were looking at aj cardi and every one of his snaps was perfect and i looked at her and said has he had a bad snap this year and she hit me and she she goes way to go now you jinxed him so she was all mad and i funny things are going to happen on a night like tonight but the funny thing was that washington scored 51 points tonight so um, again, a long night and just, you know, biggest game of the year coming up this week, Oregon beat Oregon. So, um, it's going to be fun. Sellout crowd, 1230 start. And, uh, have we heard anything on game day yet, by the way, guys? I, I wouldn't I expect game day to be there, but I'm not expecting it could be, but I, yeah, I wouldn't expect it. I am not exactly sure the other, um, the other people that would be in competition for it. So I haven't yeah. seen anything though. All right, but it's going to be a fun atmosphere and uh, early game. We'll get out at a decent hour. We'll go have a beer and watch the late games. So 
It's been a long day. I left last Saturday morning and headed down to San Francisco for the um, Stanford game. I stayed down in the Bay Area for the um, basketball media on Tuesday. Had a chance to catch up with Andy a couple of times for dinner, which was fun, and headed on over to Phoenix. So I've just been kind of chilling over in the desert. Now I've got a 6 a.m. flight back home, and I'm officiating a wedding tomorrow at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So it's going to be a long day. So. Anyways, hey, from all of us at dogman.com, just a reminder, if you're looking for those daily updates and breaking news alerts, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. We will get you hooked up back on the air on Sports Radio 950 KJR, Wednesday night, 620-ish. Tune in, lots to talk about, so let's get the season back on track again for all of us. By the way, I was just going to let you know, College Game Day announced that they're going to Happy Valley, Penn State. Michigan, so it's Michigan, Penn State. Uh, well, they're just going to scout the new um, USC coach for next year. That's just a scouting trip is all that is. So, Okay. <laughs> Anyways, for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Go dogs. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.